Welcome to Kids and Their Dog, a Scooby-Doo movie review and recap podcast. I'm your Hanna-Barbera talking animal, Cassidy. My pronouns are she, her. I'm Lava, they, them. And with us this month is a special guest. Please introduce yourself as you would like to be introduced. I'm a Steel Town girl on a Saturday night looking for the wacky race of her life, Penelope Pittsburgh, but you can call me Brendan and I go by he, him, his. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, because you are a new guest on the show, I do have some questions for you, Brendan. Okay. I'm going to start off with an easy one. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite slushy flavor? Pina colada. I uh, I guess that didn't catch. Uh, pina colada. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. I. That flavor can be weird for me sometimes just because I know, like, pineapple can get really strong in certain mixes. Yeah, especially if it's fake pineapple. Then it just gets wonky. Mm. Yeah. Alright. What is your favorite Scooby-Doo series? A pup named Scooby-Doo. Nice. Alright. What member of the gang do you relate to the most? Uh, I would identify myself as a Daphne with Shaggy Rising. (laughs) scrappy-doo is in retrograde (laughs) in the event of swearing which scooby-doo character would you like me to bleep you with i would like to request the classic scooby-doo sound by of velma going you stop that (laughs) all right and finally, what's your favorite combination of pizza toppings? I like Greek pizza a lot. So spinach, feta cheese, onions, tomatoes, olives. Nice. Yeah, sounds like a good one. And if you're really lucky, you'll find places that'll put gyro meat on it, and that just makes it even better. Oh, that sounds incredible. It really is. All right. Uh, we don't really have much news this time around. I mean, there's a pseudo-confirmed thing of there being a sequel to um, Zombie Island. I say pseudo-confirmed because it's like a LinkedIn page by a person who may have worked on it. And if it hasn't been yanked, it doesn't really break an NDA, but it also doesn't confirm anything either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if it got yanked, then that might confirm something. <laughs> exactly. I love those things that are confirmed by uh, a tweet that goes out and then is immediately deleted because, oops, we shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, since that's like basically it for news, let's go ahead and jump into listener questions. If you have a question, you can tweet at us at Kids and Their Dog. We have a chunky lineup of them. Mm-hmm. Hit me. So I'm just going to pick one at random. Tanner Vogelsang, at, uh, at Sparky Upstart, asks, When will Jabberjaw meet the Loch Ness Monster? <laughs> Uh, Trick question. 
trick question, they can't. Loch Ness is totally cut off from any other water sources. They would have <laughs> to lower Jabberjaw into the loch. Oh my gosh. Alternate answer is that they can't because I don't think... I think Nessie is a freshwater creature, which means in the future year of 2076 in which Jabberjaw is set and the world is completely in, underwater... Mm, salt water is a thing. Yeah. Oh, that too. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised that it's not already a thing. Like, there wasn't an episode of this being a thing. Oh, I double-checked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's only 16 episodes. That said, it may have happened in one of the spin-off things that Jabberjaw appeared in. Like, Space Race or something. Mm-hmm. But I, I am picturing have... Jabberjaw in a kilt and a tartan cap. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> um, but also reminds me, like, I tweeted this earlier today, but not everyone that follows the show follows me on Twitter. Um, and even if you did follow me, you shouldn't have to check Twitter all the time like I do. Because <laughs> I have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jabberjaw, as I have learned, because I was looking through all of the episodes does take place on Earth because of the Bermuda Triangle. Oh my gosh. They go to the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, it's a water world. Which means it is a dystopian future as a result of global warming. Man. Oof, my environment gets no respect. No respect at all. All Alright, moving on to the next question. Um, a fantasy crest at fantasy crest asks the fact that we learn or the fact we learn about Daphne's family in the movie via tapestry. Is that a genetic thing that actually feels possible for her? Yay or nay. So I was going to save this for the actual movie itself, but Mm -hmm. same, but go ahead. I have a theory that they pissed off a druid. Yeah, it's definitely like you can't do it from genetics, but curses are one hell of a drug. <laughs> I don't know what they did, but a Blake maybe accidentally dropped a druid into one of their pitfall traps while they were trying to hunt whatever. And then that druid said, you know what? You know what? This is going to happen to you from now on and every single person in your family line. <laughs> See, you know what the worst part about this, like, joke in this film is? Is that it doesn't come up. <laughs> no, That's a good it doesn't. Point. That's you a... have two Blakes, and you have said that all Blakes are danger prone, and neither of them are affected. Uh, well, granted, it... Okay, this would be getting into kind of spoily territory, but so I won't get into it very detailed. They were on the ship when that thing happened where oh there's a twist. They were yeah. there. That uh, might Yeah. That might be it. Maybe they canceled each other out. You know what? Maybe you're right. Two negatives make a positive. Yeah. So what you're telling me is that Blake's need to hunt in packs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it has to be an even number. Yes! Alright, moving on, we have Janine But Horny asks, Who is the sexiest cryptid? (laughs) 
I want to uh, reference a meme here, but it has profanity in it, so I can't. Um, I mean, I can bleep a profanity. Bigfoot is real, and he tried to eat my- You stop that! Uh, let me get up a cryptid list. Because, like, my gut instinct says Jersey Devil, but- <laughs> Mine was Mothman. I felt well, like Mothman was the easy way out. Yeah, same. That's that's why I was like, wait, no, let me look up a list. I'm also saving uh, Mothman for a question to a, an answer to a later question. Shoot, that was actually going to be also mine. <laughs> I think we're all in agreement. All right, let's see. Terrestrial. Not list of crystals. Chupacabra. List of, list of cryptid. Oh, I've seen the chupacabra in this universe. No, it's not. Hmm. Skunk ape. Oh, the Flatwoods monster. Lizard man of scape or swamp. I. Mm? That sounds like a Scooby Doo villain already. It is. <laughs> <laughs> the Kraken. Why hasn't Scooby met the Kraken? Oh man, they haven't experienced the end of the world yet. Uh, oh, mm, they have. Uh, to no. both of these things, but I can't. <laughs> no. No. Really? Look, if we get to that Patreon goal where we watch a television show of Scooby-Doo. Oh my god, it wasn't even a movie? No. It's the best It's the best series of Scooby-Doo ever, is oh. what it is. Oh god. Though, so, you know, this, this cryptid question does bring up an interesting, uh, an interesting thing. This is the, I think it's the third movie in a row where Scooby meets a cryptid. Because the one right before this was Monster of Mexico, which is the Chupacabra. And I think directly before that was Legend of the Vampire, where they had the Yowie Yahoo. Wow. Weird. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to another question, seeing how we're already talking about it. Jake Mason at JJ underscore Mason asks, what are some other cryptids Scooby and his friends should meet? I think we've mostly answered it, but I needed to read the question out loud. Mothman. There's a lot. I mean, Scooby meets the Mothman. I need to get uh, back to that. Tsukinoko. <laughs> yeah, it's Tsuchinoko real! Tsukinoko real? Oh, I love that stupid fat snake. <laughs> Scooby-Doo meets the Fresno Nightwalker. Scooby-Doo attack of the hoop snakes. <laughs> Scooby-Doo and the Phantom Cat of the UK. Oh, wait, it's just someone's panther that escaped. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go ahead and go with the final question here. Uh, Charlie Pretty Boy Neil at Magical underscore Pride asks, If there is still time, which there is, congratulations, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, if you were a cryptid, what kind would you be? What cool nicknames do you think you'd get, and would they be better or worse than Nessie? I would like to be a maritime cryptid. I would like to be something that is only spotted under weirdly specific weather conditions. <laughs> uh, and I would like to have some sort of mysterious vocalization that can be easily explained by the sound of methane escaping the seafloor. <laughs> My answer to this one would be Mothman. Or a Mothman. <laughs> Just because it's, it's, I've been seeing so much about Mothman lately, like, because, I don't know, just became more popular. And it's just like, certain things 
are just so adorable. Like there was one uh, post somewhere I don't remember where Mothman is in a in a court, and it's like being defended because he can't help being attracted to lamps. <laughs> My client is a moth. Kind of situation. I don't know. Mothman loves lamps. Mothman loves lamps. Lamp. Lava, have you seen what the Mothman looks like in Fallout 76? I don't know anything about it. I have not seen it. I know it's there, but I haven't seen it. Oh, you're going to love this. It's so round. I'm going to put an image in the Discord chat. Ooh. Uh, I think I would indeed like to be a winged cryptid, because according to Wikipedia, there's only three of those. (laughs) (laughs) See if that works. Oh, big round a friend thumbs up to mothman oh yeah adorable as for nicknames i don't think you would get a better nickname than nessie because like look at the other ones that have nicknames are bessie and (laughs) champ (laughs) yeah all of the ones that have nicknames are um snow clones of nessie Mm mm-hmm Unless you consider, like, Stink Ape to be a nickname for Skunk Ape. Yeah, I was just thinking about Ooh. that. Oh, that's a smelly monkey. One of them is just called Big Earthworm. <laughs> that's me. That's just me. Alright, that's it for questions. This month we have watched... Scooby-Doo and the Loch Ness Monster. It was released on June 22nd, 2004. And you know what that means. It was almost my birthday. (laughs) Again. I thought you were going to say it's almost the 4th of July. No, it's it's not quite almost the 4th of July. You did say June, didn't you? Uh, Yeah, it's... Like, it's only a couple of weeks out, but like... Ah, okay. I, for yeah. a second, I panicked and... Wait, wait, did she say January? No. <laughs> it was directed by Scott Geralds and Joe Sishta. Uh, written by George Dottie the Fourth, Ed Sarlock, and Joe Sishta, Sishta and Mark Tarras. I have to hit that one weird because it ends with both an S and a Z. Uh, it's a sh sound. Sound? Okay. Yep. I know a little bit too much about Polish names because I fell into the Witcher. (laughs) Ah. Things get real Slavic real fast. Featuring the voice acting talents of, and I'm just going to read all of them, regardless of importance. (laughs) (laughs) Frank Welker as Scooby, Fred, and Lachlan Haggart. Casey Kasem as Shaggy. Mindy Cohn as Velma. Shoutouts to Mindy Cohn. Grey Delisle Griffin, which I'm going to just refer to her as that from now on instead of just Grey Delisle or Grey Griffin because like that's what... That's the name that she's at right now. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting that she didn't do the uh, typical actor thing and just keep going by Grey Delisle. What's like double weird is like... Both of those are ex-husbands at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, 
She is playing Daphne and Shannon Blake. Michael Bell as Duncan McGovern and McIntyre. Jeff Bennett as Del Chillman and Sir Ian Loxley. John DiMaggio as Colin Haggart. Phil Lamar as Angus Haggart. And Sheena Easton as Professor Fiona Pembroke. Renowned Scottish singer Sheena Easton. My baby takes the morning train, Sheena Easton. <laughs> I I had to do a double take when I saw that in the credits. I had to make sure it was the same one. Also, I do want to talk about those <laughs> credits. Those credits are like a sitcom intro, and I love them. They are! I swear. Oh, so I have some interesting voice cast news about this movie. Uh, because I did some, I did a little bit of research. So this is Mindy Khan's first movie voicing Velma after she started voicing Velma in What's New, Scooby-Doo? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if this is Great Lyle's first, but it certainly is uh, the most recent before she's just completely taken over the role of Daphne. Yeah. Let's see, what else? There was some other things. Oh, and this is the first movie to use the animation style of What's New, Scooby-Doo instead of the... Uh, last two which used a version of the original 60s animation style yeah and it's definitely noticeable um just because it is such a distinct style in comparison we are one voice actor away from being in like the completely modern scooby-doo era all we're missing is rob paulson (laughs) oh or kate mccucci I was mainly referring to Matthew Lillard, yeah. Yeah, it took me a minute to get there. (laughs) Also, I want to mention before we get into it that this is... Canonically, this is not the first time the gang has run into a fake Loch Ness monster. Yeah, I saw this too! It happened on the Scooby-Doo show, the episode titled A Highland Fling with a Monstrous Thing. Oh my god. Guest starring the Harlem Globetrotters! I'm so excited for the new cartoon doing the exact same thing because in 20 years it will be just as weird and dated. <laughs> Pendulette Pendulette is already weird and dated though. <laughs> That's true. I'm just imagining kids sitting around going, "What the heck is a Halsey?" <laughs> All right. Uh so let's just dive right in. Speaking Woo! of diving, we open in the water. And bagpipes. And fish. Oh, there's so many bagpipes in this movie. I think at one point in my notes, I just straight up call it Scottish butt rock. (laughs) I mean, some of the music is that. Uh, I actually also just have this opening labeled as scotland.mp3. Oh yeah, like the way they render the like green hills and such, like later on in the film, it's like, okay, yeah, this is, this is tourism. Uh, but the camera surfaces out of the water, and we see the Highland Games boat. And we see someone who's just Daphne, but with a haircut and different clothing. Scottish Grey Delisle is Butch Daphne. Yeah. Just looking wistfully off the boat. And the people on the boat get her to do a speech, because these are the first ever Highland Games in the area, I'm guessing. Yeah, I didn't really get that. I didn't understand what was happening regarding this kind of... Uh, you know, people just wanted to hold a tournament and get drunk on a boat. 
<laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Oh, um, and the Highland Games are a real thing. Yeah, that's why I was like mainly saying like just like in this area, because this is the first time like they are re- renovating the old Blake Castle to make it into the, like the tournament grounds. I think that's the first time like people have been near the Blake Castle in quite some time, is what it sounds like. Which is remarkably intact and apparently has electricity in one scene and one scene only. Uh, we will get to <laughs> the weird situation that is this castle. <laughs> so I did uh, look up here the castle that it's replacing. Uh, it's replacing Urquhart Castle. Which, if you've if you've Googled Loch Ness and you've seen the ruined castle on the shoreline, that's that's what Blake Castle's taking the place of. Hmm. Okay. So on the boat, uh, Angus, uh, we learn his name later, but it's Angus, starts running his mouth, and then his brother starts teasing him, and then they have a cannonball contest, and as soon as they get in the water, something big, start, I mean bigger than a boat, starts swimming fast and knocks into the boat multiple times and then eventually just pushes it across the lake and into some rocks. And we see Duncan, who's like a groundskeeper-looking guy. He's just like, ah, it's the Loch Ness Monster. You done angered it. I have to say that that shot of the fiddle washing up, that that's a everyone-is-dead kind of shot. It yeah. is! It really is. I saw it and I thought to myself, okay, everyone Rest died. In Rest in pieces. It's a very cinematic shot. Surprisingly so. Especially considering earlier in the scene, uh, before all this stuff happened, was a shot of someone joyfully playing the violin. And I'm like, huh. Yeah, he's dead. It's like when... And... Many things where a kid is holding a balloon and then something happens and then you see the balloon float away. Yes. This, what is what is a fiddle with the scotch version of a balloon? <laughs> uh, we cut to the idyllic green countryside as the gang drives through Scotland. Daphne explains the whole familial relation thing and Shaggy and Scooby are afraid of Nessie. There are beautiful matte paintings in this movie. All of the background work is so stereotypically picturesque that I'm wondering if the tourism board had a hand in it. <laughs> I, I'm starting to think it like did because they make sure to show off a lot of the um, the Highland games themselves too near the end. They're like, oh, look, caber toss. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they didn't do some things very well, I will say, before we get there. <laughs> Uh, we also learned that Velma doesn't not believe in Nessie. Yeah, that was The jury's still out. It's a mystery. There's got to be some mystery to it. There's been sightings throughout history. You know, Velma strikes me as the kind who would be weirdly agnostic on cryptids. Like, she either... Like, she doesn't know because there is no scientific consensus, but it's possible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, after this is at a point where they've run into real monsters a handful of times, so mm-hmm. we'll have to debate this at some point. Uh, we need to make a like a timeline or something. Here's the thing: Shaggy did not wear a red shirt. This is true. Mm, true. In fact, we see his luggage later, and it's all the exact same outfit. 
perhaps, mayhaps, cryptids are not monsters. <gasps> That's an interesting take. Oh. Cryptids are like the middle ground. Yeah. They're just big, scary animals. I can see that argument. Yeah, they're just creatures. They just chill. They're like the kaiju in the new Godzilla movie. They've just always been here. Yeah, like... Yeah. Nessie's no Dracula, is what I'm saying. <laughs> right? Uh, so we see in the Mystery Machine a... Uh, apparently this shows up like maybe three times in the actual What's New Scooby-Doo show, Natlas, which is a real Danny Phantom-looking GPS. Oof. Mm. Oof. It's a real piece of Fenton tech right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're hunting ghosts, who better to get it from the Jack Fenton? Fred is basically Jack Fenton. Oh, that is a weird alternate timeline. Uh, Maybe they're related. Well, you know, hold on. Let me think. Maddie, Maddie Fenton does have red hair. Hmm. Hmm. See, hmm. So the thing about this is, one, I think it would be hilarious if Jack Fenton and Bobby Flay were related. <laughs> well, his culinary skills are spookily good. But at the same time, I know that the Scooby-Doo Company, also known as Warner Brothers, also known as Turner Broadcasting, would not allow anyone be related to science people other than Velma. <laughs> yeah. But are the Fentons actually science people? Their stuff works. <laughs> Their stuff works, but they have terrible scientific methods. It doesn't that... have to be a good familial relation. I guess. To be fair, Maddie is way more competent than Jack is because that was a popular But still trope. has terrible still has terrible scientific methods. Like they, they mm, I have a lot of feelings on Danny Phantom and that entire series, so we probably should move on before we get into it. Yeah. The only thing I'll say before we move on is cuz I do get onto a character about this in a different podcast I'm on, but at <laughs> least they do wear safety goggles. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah, Very but, true. But then their best friend got his head through a portal and turned into a sexy vampire. Because he didn't wear safety goggles. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's it. That's what happens, kids. You don't wear your safety goggles, you turn into a sexy vampire. That won't deter anyone from doing it. You're next, Honoka. <laughs> You're next. Oh, gosh. Uh, so they drive through the fog. <laughs> which Fred describes as as thick as pea soup. Which I guess makes Scooby just get out and make a picnic. For some reason. For some reason. I have this in my notes as Scooby-Doo walks into the mists and is swept into Ravenloft. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Uh, that's if we hit the $100 Patreon mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, but while he's setting up the picnic, he sees the monster and hightails it back to the mystery machine. Uh, and I guess the rest of the gang sees it as it starts swimming alongside them on the road, which distracts Fred, who then just drives directly into the lake. Ugh. Or the lock. Oh, Fred. For, his, for loving the mystery machine as much as he does, he sure does beat it up a lot. Mm. Yeah, and that must be a terrible GPS if it didn't say, like... Well, I guess it's not an intersection, so it's not going to say anything. <laughs> it should still say, like, sharp turn ahead. I could, I could see that. 
Uh, well, they get it out of the water and to the Highland Games area near Blake Castle, where they see some caber tossing in the crashed boat. Uh, before they get to the castle, though, they do a good little bit where they're starting to push the mystery machine out of the loch. And then Fred, I believe, is the one who gets distracted by, hey, gang, look, it's the castle. And they all let go of the mystery machine to stare at this <laughs> picturesque vis- uh, uh, vista. And the mystery machine rolls down the hill and goes even deeper into the loch. Yeah, that was a really good moment. Uh, but once they get over there, the gang heads down to check out the boat. And they meet up with Shannon, who is overseeing boat repairs. And we see the Loch Ness Monster Machine. <laughs> I love up. Del Chillman so much. Del Chillman is alright by me. Del Chillman is the weird gem fusion of Fred and Shaggy. Del Chillman is the adult... Speaking of Steven Universe, Del Chillman is just that character from Steven Universe. Oh no, he is. <laughs> oh, he, no, oh no, he is. Oh no. See, it's like, I didn't like, I, I didn't like Del in the very beginning. I thought it was like, ugh, another red herring kind of situation. I did like him a lot by the end of the mil- uh, uh, by the end of the film. I was like, it, it's a character that grew on me. And shock of shocks, he's recurring. Yeah, he shows up again later. Yes, yes he does. In another cryptid movie, actually. Oh god. And they reference this one, because he shows up and says that the Loch Ness Monster was a no-go, or a no-show. One of those. Oh, no. mm. Anyways, he Del Chillman runs out, desperately trying to preserve the scene, and says that the activity of the games is what aggravated the monster, and thinks that the games were a mistake. Letting everyone know this before he drives off, and Google's video uh, subtitles were sure to let me know that he was, in fact, listening to Fish. Oh, my God. <laughs> of course he was. Wow. Uh, but before he drives away, he does back back up and say, also, everyone, there's going to be a big party tonight at Stubby's. We're supposed to have a band there. <laughs> and I'm yes, mad Stubby's really never funny. came up. I thought it was going to come up later. There would have been a perfect time for it to come up, but it never happened. You know, uh, I do have a big question. If Dell is from around here, which seems likely given how familiar Shannon is with him, why doesn't he have an accent? Did he just get too into the hippie thing? He's a Nessie enthusiast, and he moved here specifically for Nessie. Oh, God. You know what? That's I, my theory. I, I could see it. Yeah. Yeah, he started with Bessie over in America. <laughs> yeah, he's... Yeah. Yeah. He probably started with Sasquatch. I could see either. Hmm. Uh, we also learned that Daphne has never been to the castle before. Uh, we also see a tapestry, and this was mentioned in a question before, that the Blakes have a family history of being danger-prone to the point that the castle has a mural dedicated to it. Oh yeah, so apparently this is the first time the Blakes have ever had Nessie issues. I don't believe that. Yeah, given the long and storied history of the monster, uh, Velma even brings it up earlier that oh, around 2004 it had been around 1500 years that the monster's been showing up. Mm-hmm. So it's real conspicuous that all of a sudden, it's all messy all the time. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just like in recent memory, like, while she's been around. True. Maybe. But yeah, regardless, it has in fact started up since like the past few days when 
Shannon saw something big cruise into the cove and then just disappear. And then that night, she heard a strange noise, like a monster whale call. Which is my description of it. And here's the part of the movie that very much confuses me about Blake Castle. Oh, you mean the fact that the big monster head screams into, like, the fourth story window? (laughs) Oh, Nessie is as big as she needs to be in any given scene. (laughs) She is Mechanek from He-Man. Just extends really far. But no, Shannon is <laughs> Shannon has fallen asleep watching TV. She was watching TV in the castle, which means at least part of it has electricity. Yeah. But later when Scooby and Shaggy wander out to get a midnight snack, they take a candle. So did she stick them in part of the castle that doesn't have electricity? Yes, let's go with that. That sounds amazing. Well, we see how quickly they get to the part that is without a roof and covered in cobwebs, so yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, you mean when they wander onto the latest Castlevania game? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, um, some lady in the castle is just like, yeah, the monster's real and it's very mad at you, and then flips through a bookcase, <laughs> and then flips through another bookcase in a chair with some tea. Uh, she's dressed like a Pokemon professor and knows the secret passages that never come up again. Yeah. <laughs> but like, this kind of entrance is like, belongs to Draculas. Yeah. And renowned cryptozoologists. But yeah, this is Professor Fiona Pembroke. Foremost researcher on the Loch Ness Monster to the point that it has ruined her career. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I gotta say, Velma's reaction to seeing her is hysterical. It's like that, oh, to the point where it ruined her career. That's literally what Velma says to this woman's face. Velma, it's great. Velma Dinkley, master of the backhanded compliment. Yeah. Though there was a lot more backhand than compliment in that one. Yeah, seriously. Professor Pembroke, you're a laughing stock. What's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> and then later, she's just like, she basically just brushes that under the bridge and is like, hey, do you want to see these cool new photos I took of the monster while we're at dinner? I guess everyone's just chill for dinner with the Blakes. Yeah. And because it's dinner time in Scotland, Shannon made haggis. Yep. I do not agree with the depiction of Shaggy and Scooby being disgusted because no, that's not Shaggy and Scooby. Didn't they eat spiderweb brownies or something in the ghoul school? Yeah. They they will eat literally everything. That's the whole point of them. They will not the whole point of them, but they'll stop short of literal garbage. Yeah. I would like to suggest that perhaps this tells us where we are on the timeline. Oh no. Uh, how does it inform us of where we are on the timeline, Cass? Well, how me. adventurous they are and what food they would eat, obviously. Oh, God. The more reluctant they are to eat anything, the earlier on the timeline it is. That does track. That does track. It just like... I'm also sort of just kind of ha-ha organ meats. Like, America has an aversion to organ meat for no good reason. Well, for classist and xenophobic reasons, anyway. Yeah. And, like, it's not... I'm pretty sure it's not served that way. 
or like is really that anyways yeah it, it does haggis doesn't usually look like just a pile of organs on a plate it looks like ground beef it does now i would like i would try it but i do want to admit i just know what a liver does and that doesn't seem like it's good for you to eat that <laughs> i don't know i'm looking at this picture and i'd like i'd eat that okay that yeah. looks delightful that looks like a deconstructed shepherd's pie or like a breakfast hash Ooh, mm-hmm. man the uk does breakfast food really really well also um another thing i have issue with in this scene is scooby-doo's human hands <laughs> i don't like it Cass, you pointed that out to me before I started watching the movie, and I kept looking at it, thinking, oh my god, no. No. Why this? Oh, why did they give Scooby people hands? And we, but after they're done pushing the food back and forth, a character shows up that is if Magneto was Nigel Thornberry, also known as Sir Ian. Uh, I described <laughs> him as Grimsby from The Little Mermaid. Yes! Yeah, that too. But he shows up by just caver tossing through a large window and then just being uh, there. I don't... Mm. How high are they? Surely they're not on the ground floor. Yeah, he he caber tosses through like a third story window that is fully plate glass and could have killed somebody. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the only time. In an ancient castle. Yeah. Also, yeah. I did just a, a look-see at Tabers. That is a 175-pound log that just got lobbed through Shannon's dining room window. Jeez. Oh. And she just says that, oh, it's fine. Yeah, it's chill. You want it's some food? fine. Sir Ian, thank you for showing up. Because Sir Ian is the judge for the games and also works for the Scottish National Museum of History. Or also National History Museum. And extremely doesn't believe in Nessie. And he did write a book on it called Monster My Foot, which is a good name for a monster. And has a cover of just book. a foot stomping a, a Nessie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sir Ian and Fiona Pembroke used to work together and they absolutely hate each other. But they're all spending the night in the castle. If this was a bad fan fiction, they would have to share a room with one bed. Yeah. Excuse you, wait, hold on. Bad fan fiction is not a good description of that. If this because was... that is if if this was a fan fiction. Yeah, if this was a fan fiction. Yes. I say this only because I recently read one of those <laughs> of things and I was like, Yeah So I am a big defender of that kind of trope. But anyway. I tend to agree. Yeah, I shouldn't disrespect the classics. (laughs) That night, Scooby's stomach is growling so loud it keeps Shaggy up. So they sneak out to grab some food, and this is where I thought they were going to go to Stubby's. (laughs) Stubby's, which I imagine is a jovially American bar in the middle of the Scottish Highlands. They just wander onto the set of Cheers. (laughs) <laughs> I think there's a place near me called Stubby's, and I think it's a barbecue place. So yeah, that tracks. 
Uh, but yeah, they sneak out to grab the food, and they get extremely lost in the part of the castle that doesn't have a roof. <laughs> yeah, the the extremely old, dilapidated part where I expect Medusa heads to start swooping out of the shadows. <laughs> I mean, if they're looking for food, it wouldn't be a bad place to check. Castlevania has food, like, in the walls. Ah, <laughs> uh, wall roast. A Transylvanian classic. A flag or something... It's a piece of fabric falls on Scooby from the rafters, <laughs> which makes Shaggy think he's a ghost, which scares Scooby, who somehow doesn't notice the thing that fell on him. That's uh, a classic gag. Yeah. They actually do a lot of these classic Scooby gags throughout this movie, which I, mm-hmm. I'm i pretty sure it's a leftover from the fact that the last two movies were drawn like the 60s cartoon. Mm. So probably when they were writing this, they kept that that spirit in mind before somebody on the art team went, you know, we're going to draw this like the new show, actually. I mean, that said, I still feel like this is goofier than all of the movies we've watched up to this point that were based on those designs. Here's the thing. It's more goofy because of the sound direction. Oh, yeah, they lean hard into the classic sound effects. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many moments where I'm like, did they mean to do that kind of sound effect? Because it's it's really egregious sometimes. Yeah, I'll get into some other things that I feel about this film and its joke and writing direction. But that is for afterwards. Scooby barrels into Shaggy, removing the fabric, and then they laugh it off. Which wakes up some bats, which chase them out, and they run and they lock a door behind them. But then they're locked outside on a bridge. On the Bridge of Elden from The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. <laughs> On the bridge that leads to the Blake family's oubliette. And they're like, oh, well, at least it's not raining. Starts to rain. Scooby pulls out an umbrella from somewhere. Oh, that's classic. Yeah. A a gag that doesn't need to happen because literally one second afterwards. It's not raining. Or there's a big monster. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that too. (laughs) Because, yes, Nessie does only. Nessie is however big Nessie needs to be. And in this case, it is the size of a large dragon. Mm-hmm. Do you know what she reminds me of? Hmm. She reminds me of the Hydra from the Hercules movie. Oh, yeah. I could see that. I do, too. But they get chased, and this is where we hear a song that sounds like a weird folk punk sitcom intro. Yeah! Yeah, it does. It's very folksy. Like, I thought this, like, when I heard the song for the first time, I'm like, oh, that sounds like sitcom intro E. And then at the end of the film, they're like, we agree with you. It does sound like a sitcom <laughs> intro. Here's a sitcom <laughs> intro for you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. For you, our friend. Um, Unlike this monster who destroys part of the castle and the tournament grounds. And then Scooby uses a weight like Mjolnir, and then they fly away before plummeting down on the monster. (sighs) And then they run off and hide in the tent. But the gang heard all the commotion, which is not, you know, unbelievable, seeing how part of the castle literally got collapsed. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the part of of the chase scene where part of the castle is literally broken off. Yeah. 
there's just casual massive property damage to a centuries-old structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fine, says it Shannon. Fine. <laughs> Probably. It's fine. it's fine. So yeah, the gang finds them. Everyone's down there. You know, Sir Ian, Fiona, Shannon, the gang, everybody. All of the named characters so far. Yeah. There's tracks there, and yet Sir Ian remains unconvinced. <laughs> so Scooby Hills a taxi? I hated this moment. Yeah. A taxi that comes out of nowhere. This it's jokes like this that make me like not super into this film. Yeah. It's mm, it's it's not good. It's not bad, bad yet. But it's definitely not good. I would like—I like to think this movie doesn't get bad, bad. But it's—it is going to fill a niche that we don't really have on this ranking sheet yet. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So Sir Ian gets in the taxi and he's like, "Hey, you better fix these grounds, or I—I'll do something." <laughs> and then leaves. You better do something, or I'll give you a nebulous threat, young lady. Me, director of the museum. (laughs) Where the only real consequence is you will not have a main judge for this event that is easily replaceable. Yeah. Unless they need someone who has been uh, knighted, I guess. Maybe. I guess. Velma notices that the tracks head into town, not the lake, which is weird. And the next morning they head into... Drumnadroshit. I think that's how it's supposed to be pronounced. Uh, Drumnadroshit is a real town. Yeah, I looked it up and that's how I got the uh, pronunciation for it. Speaking of pronunciation, Scooby pronounces this surprisingly well, seeing how Fred can't pronounce it for a joke. This is a recurring joke with Fred. Yeah, Fred's an idiot in this movie and I actually hate it. Yeah. More than just this movie, there's a recurring thing that unless it is plain American English, Fred cannot pronounce it to save his life. Mm. There is. I haven't watched a whole lot of what's new Scooby Doo. If this is because of, mm. Mm. there's mm. there's extended scenes in Scooby Doo and the Monster of Mexico where he speaks Spanish badly. Oh no! <laughs> Joy. Uh. But yeah, Shaggy and Scooby are scared by a helium-filled Nessie balloon that the Haggarts are trying, quote-unquote, to tie to their father's end. Mostly they're just goofing around. It's the Nessie's Thanksgiving Day Parade! I'm really shocked they didn't use that joke in this movie. It's it's so obvious. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, and I, I also note that the blonde one tries to commit fratricide. Yeah. Like you do. Just casual fratricide. And then they try to murder Shaggy. Yeah, oh. They just hand him a huge helium balloon and let him fly away. But yeah, uh, Lachlan Haggart is like, I don't believe in Nessie, but I make money off of people that do. (laughs) (laughs) And also, the gang has some cold weather fashion now. Shaggy has... I have a fashion corner here. I have yeah. a fashion corner segment written here. Yeah, I also have everything <laughs> written down here. I'm glad to see we have the same priorities. Uh, Shaggy has a baggy dark green zip-up hoodie, just like me in high school. 
Velma is in her regular outfit, but she's got this horrible marabou bucket hat that looks like a pith helmet. Oh, I love the bucket hat and her brown coat. I think it looks rad. The canvas jacket that just kind of pops up between scenes. Because sometimes she has it and sometimes she just doesn't. <laughs> Look, there is a shot in this film where Fred's legs aren't connected to his feet. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll give Velma's jacket a pass. Uh, and then there's Daphne's weird poncho. Oh, I I don't understand Daphne's chiffon robe. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought it was supposed to be a clear plastic raincoat. It's it's just I didn't get it over her. It look yeah, it looks like a rain poncho. I don't. Mm. And then Fred is just Fred. Yeah, Fred has a Fred blue is always Fred. pullover. It's chill, I guess. Fred is Fred. Fred doesn't have fashion. He just buys the same thing but different. And then Shannon's just wearing like a denim jacket because they didn't want to make too many character models for her. I read that as more of a track jacket, but I guess it could be either. Anyways, the Haggards agree to help fix the games. And then they hand the balloon to Shaggy and Scooby, who start to fly away, but then crash into the brothers, knocking the photos of Nessie, and or the destruction that Nessie caused. Nessie, in quotes. Um, to the ground, at Dell's feet, who takes these photos as a sign that Nessie is trying to speak to him? Uh, he, mm, I, th- I have a word for Dell, but I can't say it on this show because it won't make sense because of the bleeping. Mm, you can say but it. But there is a very... Uh, monster... But where's the ghost? Yeah. That's what he is. Yeah, I, I have I have specifically here, does Dell want to... F- and who could forget the terrifying stylings of... Space Kook, not me. The Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> The answer is yes. The answer Just to be is clear. yes. One hundred percent yes. I mean, monster girlfriends are all the rage these days. Yep. Fifteen years ahead of his time. Yep. Oh god. Anyway, Shannon's like, "Hey, don't interrupt the games," and he's like, "I'm gonna do it anyways." <laughs> then drives off. <laughs> Duncan, who is apparently the dock master and holds the record for most Nessie sightings at 41, which is a weird number to be able to track, seeing how you can just say I saw Nessie and no one has to tell you that you didn't. <laughs> yeah, this implies that there's corroborating evidence. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that's right. Uh, he points them towards the professor's boat so they can take it out on the lock. And it's an old, worn-down fishing boat that only has four life jackets on board, and the door to below the deck is mysteriously locked from inside. Look, it's just a real mess down there. Nobody needs to see that. Yeah, but because there's only four life jackets and six of them, two of them are going to have to stay behind, Daphne says, looking directly at Fred. (laughs) (laughs) I did not catch on to that at all. Neither did the people who made this film, but it would have been a good joke. (laughs) Uh, Shaggy and Scooby stay on shore and take the mystery machine. And according to this film, Shaggy seems to be one, a poor driver, and two, well, I mean, mainly that first one. Because it's debatable whether or not the mystery machine belongs to Fred or Shaggy. 
Oh, oh, I have a, I have a thing about Shaggy driving the mystery machine later. Oh boy. I mean, I'm basically cutting to the next driving scene because nothing really happens on the boat for now. Ex- except that they note, they do note, Professor Professor Pembroke's funding is very low, but she certainly isn't spending any of it on equipment. Yeah, that's that's actually in the next scene. Oh, whoops! But yeah, no, it's chill. Um, because <laughs> this next the scene before it isn't much. Shaggy and Scooby are driving through the mountains to somewhere. It's unclear. Somewhere. Shaggy's driving with his feet. Yeah. Look, I I'm not gonna name names, but maybe someone has learned the family secret of driving with their knees sometimes. And look, it's sometimes you just need to eat a food. <laughs> yeah, 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 but driving with your knees is a lot different than putting your horrifying monkey feet. I would argue that monkey feet is safer. (laughs) I mean, you know what? You're right. At least those are also hands. Oh, God. Uh, It's, like I said, it's unclear where they're going, but they plan on just following road signs, and then we see a gloved hand mess with the sign and send them off course into a creepy bog. This is... (sighs) An- again, another classic Scooby gag that just shows up for a minute and then leaves. Oh, speaking of, there's a classic Scooby gag that happens later that I can't wait to point out. <laughs> um, so out on the lot, uh, Velma complains about Pembroke's garbage sonar. She says it couldn't pick up a radio station. Now, is that a thing that a normal sonar could do? I don't I... think so. I don't know. But that makes it even... I guess of a worse, worser insult, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Well, let's let's consult Google. <laughs> I uh, will continue as you do that, uh, Brendan. As Brendan mentioned, Shannon is confused because while it's limited, she thought Bembrook would have used some of the funding on equipment. Okay, so sonar is sound based, but I don't see anything about it specifically being radio based. So Velma had a weird insult that she wanted to use and used it. Yeah. I guess so. Um, Velma makes a weird choice. Yeah. Suddenly Nessie is supposedly back and cruising through the water at them. Uh, Fred throws the nets. Oh yeah, sorry. This is where Velma says. Let me get the quote that you had sent me. Freddy, time for one of your famous plans. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I just loved that moment, and it's just like Fred just has a panic moment of uh oh right it's it's great it's great. And he throws the boat off the he throws some nets off the boat, and they plan to fish up Nessie, but she's too strong and starts pulling them away, which blows out the engine and snaps the yard arm, leaving them stranded in the middle of the lock. I can't believe they're all going to die of dehydration. The lock's fresh water, right? Yeah, but you don't want... You don't want to drink out of that. (laughs) They watch as Nessie swims back towards them and then disappears under the boat. Oh, I have this segment labeled uh, Primal Fear. 
Because the Why? idea of something very large just circling you in the water while you're out of your element taps into something. Mm. <laughs> yes. Even worse is when a very large thing suddenly disappears. Yes. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, for- I was going to say another thing. Shaggy and Scooby get caught on a muddy road covered in monster tracks. And Scooby gets out and chases a lizard. And then they run into the monster, and we have a chase scene set to the Young Dubliners, which is what kind of sounds like Scottish butt rock. It's weird hearing a song that mentions getting drunk on a plane in a Scooby-Doo animated film. Yeah, I wasn't certain about this whole sequence of music. I mean, strange. all that mattered is that it had Celtic fiddle mixed in with butt rock. So for 2004, they didn't care about the lyrics. I guess so. Scooby deftly drives them up a tree and then ramps it way up into the sky above the clouds and out above the lock. Good thing he has those human hands. They come crashing down, luckily directly onto the boat. And Fred makes some dumb joke. Um, because it sets up Scooby's also dumb joke. And then they somehow get the boat to the shore where Shaggy and Scooby had saw the monster. So I'd, when I was taking my notes, I paused right, right as the shot of the mystery machine overhead was there, and Fred was in the foreground, uh, which made me had to add this note, Fred. Oh, where is it? Fred, Fred, the mystery machine's coming. Oh my God, the bagpipes are too loud. He can't hear us. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, they get the boat to shore where Shaggy and Scooby saw the monster. The monster tracks become tire tracks, which Velma takes note of. But they're not the Mystery Machine's tire tracks, to be clear. Well, I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? Nessie got a ride from uh, Grape Ape. <laughs> you know, I think of all of the characters to give uh, Cryptid a ride, I think it would have been Megilla Gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I looked at Magilla Gorilla and Grape Ape because I can't remember which is which sometimes. The only difference is that Magilla Gorilla wears pants and Grape Ape wears a shirt. Mm, and Grape Ape is like two stories tall. Oh yeah, Grape Ape's also a kaiju. <laughs> or as Magilla Gorilla is some sort of trickster deity. <laughs> uh, but they managed to get the boat also all the way back to the castle dock without an engine it's fine everything's fine everything's fine fine. they had a spare engine in the mystery machine (laughs) Uh, the professor is unworried about the damage and the grounds appear to be repaired and sir ian brings a huge fancy ship crashing through the dock i want to know how he got this thing into a landlocked body of water uh, money. Oh, yeah. Very I forgot. Carefully. Scrooge McDucking. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Ian says he's going to patrol the waters to make sure nothing else happens to the field and demands that no other boats be allowed near the, allowed near the castle, looking directly at Professor Pembroke. Yeah. <laughs> of course, this elderly white man thinks he can declare martial law over a public body of water. That's... <laughs> I also looked it up. on, like, a piece of land that isn't his. It's tw- yeah. The lock is 22 miles long, 
and has a surface area of 21 square miles. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly skinny, but very long. Well, that's why he has all this weird technology in this boat. Yeah. He really does. Uh, but yeah, Pembroke's response is um, that her boat has more surprises than he will ever know. Which is a spooky thing to say, but also they don't treat it with any level of, like, importance in the film. Mm -mm. Casual foreshadowing. Yeah. Uh, The gang heads with Sir Ian to search for more clues, and Fred is an idiot who thinks he got a high score on the digital compass. (sighs) To be fair, it it is controlled by PlayStation 1 controller. Yeah. Which I thought found weird, but whatever. Yeah, I was like, okay, whatever. But and like, I'm okay with like maybe Fred getting fused. Maybe that would have been a better thing to have Shaggy do. I don't know. Uh, I do think this Fred is an idiot characterization is a holdover from what's new Scooby Doo because they tried to do something here. And to be honest, Fred started being a himbo in Scooby Doo 2002. <laughs> yeah, but if someone told him. Fred, I think that's the digital compass. He wouldn't have been like, I still got a high score. <laughs> uh, Velma hooks her laptop up to the ship's computer network using Riven cable, which isn't correct, but I'll just keep going. Yeah, I was actually talking to Tess about that. I was trying to figure out what kind of connector she was using. That's like a Riven cable that you would see with either displays or maybe some hard drives. Which I guess if you're doing data, but it wouldn't have been a ribbon cable on both sides. It would have been like a ribbon cable into an adapter into like USB or a Cat 6 or Cat 5 in 2004. You all completely lost me. I I would have loved it if, they'd have, if the animators had just been completely off their gourds and Velma somehow connected via coax. <laughs> it could be worse. It could have been like... Um, hmm. What could have been worse? I don't know. (laughs) Your standard VGA connectors. Red, yellow, and white. Okay, you know that would have been pretty good. I would have been in for that. (laughs) Anyway, Sir Ian punches in a code and the planning table from the Star Wars original trilogy pops up with a live hologram of the floor of the lock. Yeah. And... And, Captain, there's something big down there. It is a 3D model of the Loch Ness Monster. Yes, yes it is. And I was... Uh, on one hand, oh my god, no, why? On the other, is like, this is amazing. Yeah. Because it's so ridiculous. I feel like that's 100% delightful. for the audience. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, because watching a big blob on a table of blobs isn't that visually interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but let me say, it shows the monster, it shows up below them, and then swims away and disappears and what's into what Velma presumes is an underwater cave. Shaggy and Scooby sneak into a mini-sub to hide, but the rest of the gang are like, hey, let's take the mini-sub and dive down to look for the monster. And Fred says the lines about, now it just needs a, a paint job and it would be da-bomb diggity. Ooh. Yes, he does actually say this. With basically that that delivery. Like Yep. 
this is Frank Welker, who's probably in his, what, 50s or 60s at this point? Trying to use 2004 slang and sounding exactly like your grandpa. <laughs> uh, Scooby freaks out about eels and then climbs onto Fred, who can't see where he's going, which leads to him to an underwater cave entrance that leads to a cavern of air, like an air pocket type thing. They get out and find an ancient burial ground. I have this labeled as Scooby finds a corpse. Yeah. Yes. Shaggy and Scooby desecrate some bodies to play dress up and swing actual swords at each other. I I was like, oh my gosh, no. Why would you do this? This is a historical site. It's fine. It's, <laughs> it's fine. like, oh my gosh. Uh, it bothered me. Also, those swords should be entirely rust. Yeah, they really should. Oh, and so when the monster shows up in this scene, I notice something. Well, aside from the fact that this whole movie, she's been flipping back and forth between uh, CGI and traditional animation, depending on the shot. And the CGI is cel-shaded. Nessie looks like she should be in the Wind Waker game. I think cel-shading was probably an important thing for them to do, because otherwise it would look weird in an animated film. Yeah, true. And saves them a little bit of time as far as, like, texturing goes. That's true. They don't usually have a lot of money for these. Um, Vilma finds a modern screwdriver, and then Nessie shows up. Um, Shaggy and Scooby get trapped on a land bridge, and then Nessie eats their swords. (laughs) So they dive off the side and into the mini-sub. That is a pretty baller shot. Mm -hmm. It just looks really cool. They get chased back out through the caves, but they can't take a picture because the camera's on the front of the sub. And then Fred scrapes on the canyon, or cavern, again, and again on the monster because the monster somehow gets ahead of them and charges straight at them head first. But because of all the collisions, they lose some sensors and the camera. And then Nessie proceeds to throw them out of the water. <sighs> oh yeah, the gang gets pressure sickness. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is terrible. The sub catch is caught in midair by a grabby arm from Sir Ian's ship. Which no, that's not not how it would work. But okay, whatever. This is a strong enough magnet, maybe. And Shaggy and Scooby complain that they're airsick. Maybe they just don't know what kind of sick they are. They are visibly sick, like though they have like the bubbles that come out of their faces. Hmm. <laughs> They get back to the docks and they find Dell sleeping in the mystery she- machine because apparently the van, sorry, the Loch Ness monster machine was stolen. Uh, I I call it the Nestery machine. <laughs> yeah, I just realized I neglected to describe what the Loch Ness monster machine looks like. It is the mystery machine. Mm, it's actually, the mystery machine. Correct. I am very adamant about how the mystery machine is different. Okay, go ahead. Um, because I. I'm very particular about when I see people paint their vans to look like the mystery machine. The mystery machine is a very specific type of van that doesn't really have like a front snout because I know what cars are, I guess. And you can describe <laughs> a part of a car as a snout. <laughs> I think she's supposed to be a Volkswagen. Uh, it's like, it's a very like specific like type of, of I think it's even a four. It's, it's like a Volkswagen, but with more angles. 
Um, I looked this up once and mm. I barely remember it. Uh, but Dell's uh, Loch Ness Monster Machine is more like a delivery van mm. in its like door situation and snout situation. Speaking of snouts, it also has a Loch Ness Monster on top and the head of a Loch Ness Monster coming out of the front. Now, if we're going back to this theory that Dell is just a, a serial cryptid chaser, does he theme his machine after every different cryptid? Absolutely. Must. Yes, of course he does. Do you think when it was the Mothman machine, it was brown and purple? Yes. And it mm. just had that scary Mothman statue on top of it. But yeah, the van was stolen while he was here at the castle. And Velma tries to get a hold of Pembroke so they can try and solve the mystery, but she isn't answering. And as the gang and Del drive somewhere, I guess, they do a lot of driving to places that are uncertain. And also, since it's 2004, everybody is using walkie-talkies. Yeah, they got CB radios. <laughs> uh, my dad was a long-haul trucker, so I'm very familiar with CBs. Uh, the monster comes out of the woods, sending the machine off-road. And during a chase scene, Shaggy and Scooby make the monster sneeze, important to note. And the entire exterior of the mystery machine gets launched off into a peat bog. They come to a full stop while the monster comes flying in behind them. And it's in this shot, it is very clean, clearly just like a canvas thing put on top of the van. Also, during this whole chase scene... Uh, there's a weirdly, like, 60s surf rock song playing in the background. And... I think this one was by Fish. They also acquire a sheep at some point. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the sheep is voiced by Velma's voice actress. Like, I wasn't actually looking at the screen by this point. I was just kind of listening sometimes. With animal Uh, noises, it's a toss-up. It could have very well have been Frank Welker. I heard the sheep. And I look up and I'm like, that wasn't Velma, was it? <laughs> like, I certainly hoped it wasn't Velma. <laughs> the gang but it sounded exactly like her. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, um, while the exterior of the mystery machine sank into the bog when it landed, it's clearly only about ankle deep because they walked through it. Well, Pete's compacted plant material, so maybe if they just stood still long enough, they'd start sinking. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, They remove the canvas cover from the fake monster, revealing Dell's van with no one inside. Ooh. Spoopy. The, The tracks match the tracks they found earlier, but it couldn't have been in the water, so clearly there's a second monster. And Vilma has a plan. Dun dun dun. So we cut to the castle at night. Shaggy and Scooby are sent out in a rowboat into the lock for some, like, they were given some Scooby snacks to be bait. The Blakes and Sir Ian are on the fancy sonar table, and Fred is being an idiot over the walkie talkie as Dell preps some Nessie barrels. He gives Velma and himself code names, but then proceeds to just start listing off, uh, uh, military call signs. 
This is the I'll be eagle one scene yes. from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes, it is. And I'd like to think that however the configurations of that works out, it's, and Velma, you're eagle too. <laughs> yeah. Well, Velma is clearly a mama bird. <laughs> and Fred is, for some reason, baby bird. <laughs> I was so, I was so wondering, like, what? Why? Fred? What is this? What I, are you talking about? I do like that Dell just like takes the walkie talkie. He's like, "Yeah, I don't know what he's saying either. We're we're good to go." <laughs> uh. uh. The sonar picks up the monster in the cove, but McIntyre, who is seeing Sir Ian's first mate, that hasn't said anything or been named at all up until this point. I think there maybe was an offhanded mention of McIntyre. Take her closer. Yeah, it's just like, hey, this character's important now. Surprise. I have a problem with this. But l- well, let's let's get to his motivation and then I'll... I'll... Yes. They stop the... Him and the rest of the crew stop the Blakes and Sir Ian from telling Velma and plans to catch the monster himself and sell it for money. And they arm the harpoon. Here's my thing. What did you think they're trying to do? Catch it, but not sell it for money. I know! Just wait for them to catch the monster and then say, hey, we're gonna sell this. He wanted it for himself, obviously. Ugh, it's the it's the weirdest 11th hour plot twist. It's so dumb. Hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Scooby does one of the actual oldest jokes in the series because Shaggy says, man, this fog's so thick you could cut it with a knife. And Scooby reveals a claw, cuts a hole in the fog, grabs the fog, and eats it. I'm pretty sure this joke is from the Captain Cutler episode. It is because they do the dry ice thing. Eh, wrong. Turns out that episode we were thinking of is the Redbeard Ghost episode. But in that episode, they go further and cut a second hole out of the bigger hole, so that way it's a donut. And I think that makes it funnier. I do like that the hole doesn't disappear, though. Until they cut back to, I think, Velma? But for the rest of the scene, while it's on Shaggy and Scooby, like when it zooms out to show Shaggy as well, there's still a hole in the fog, which I think is a nice touch. <laughs> The monster comes up beneath them, lifting the boat high into the air, which Velma sees and sends Fred out, towing a line of barrels, which then sets up a bit of a net, locking the monster into that part of the cove. Shaggy and Scooby flintstone the boat down the back of the monster and then skip across the lake, which causes the boat to fall apart. But don't worry, Shaggy can run with paddles across the surface of the water. Which I'm pretty sure is from the Jekyll and Hyde ghost episode. I think they did this exact gag in the 60s. I'd also like to mention the, uh, the extended, guys, this is, it's beneath you. Oh, thanks, Velma. We've always thought being bait was beneath us, too. Uh, scene when the monster is under them and Velma's trying to tell them. Yeah. This went on a long time, it felt like, this particular joke. 
Yeah, it, they do it twice with Shaggy and then he hands the phone to Scooby. And I almost expected Velma to say specifically, Scooby, the monster is under your boat and Scooby to pretend like it was some sort of compliment. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a dog and doesn't know words. I also like to think that when Shaggy went, hey, Velma, Scooby wants to say hi, Velma in her head went, oh, thank God, Scooby will understand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um... Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Fred finishes securing the line on the dock, fully trapping the monster. But then McIntyre drives Sir Ian's ship through the line, dragging Dell and his van, as well as Fred on a scrap of the dock, which gets destroyed behind the ship. Fred swings it over. And I do like how Dell and Fred are just really real chill about it. Like Dell's like, hey, need a ride? And Fred's like, I don't know. How far are you going? That was hysterical. I was like, they're so casual about it. It's amazing. For some reason, that red is weirdly flirty to me. I mean, a little. Uh, Fred swings over and climbs into Del's van, and Shaggy and Scooby manage to make it to shore, just as McIntyre has the crew line up the harpoon. So the Blake do a synchronized break loose, and Daphne uses her purse so they can zip line down a cable into the harpoon, knocking it off target. But it still fires and lands in the castle right above Velma. And the anchor that this creates causes the shift to causes the ship to Tokyo drift right into some rocks. Yeah, Velma almost died. Yeah, Velma was almost straight up murdered. <laughs> Jinkies! Uh, Sir Ian is about to get eaten by the monster because the boat's there or because sir ian ends up in the water after the boat lands in the rocks right i had to remember where i was and sir ian can't swim but does get del throws him the inflatable nessie he climbs aboard it uh, it's oddly cute i don't know why it just is and it just is it's how it is um, but Daphne swings the magnet arm of the ship towards it, and the monster gets stuck to it, because that's weird. Magnets, huh? How do they work? Meanwhile, Shaggy and Scooby get chased by a second, different monster, and end up in a pitfall trap that they had apparently set up for some reason. A Team Rocket pitfall. Um, Daphne launches the water one into the land one, which crashes the land one into the pitfall, as well as revealing... who appear to have made the suit out of wood and ropes or at least stuffed it so this one this one didn't have a van involved i guess guess unless they stole a third van no i'd like to imagine that just like when we find out that like dell's one looks just like a uh like a sheet on a thing i'd like to imagine that this is just a horse halloween costume with one brother in each half, except it's the Loch Ness Monster. And nobody notices because they're too scared of the fact that it might be the Loch Ness Monster. Oh my god. Mm, that's a good theory. Let me pitch a third theory. They recreated Fred's car from the Flintstones. Oh my god. Out of wood. Well, it is a Hanna-Barbera and property. And a costume on top of it. It's a Hanna-Barbera mm-hmm. thing. They found it in history books. This is how prehistoric people got around. <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> but what about the other monster? 
Well, Daphne drops it on the beach and its skin explodes off, revealing a metal body underneath. Hatch opens, revealing... Professor Professor Fiona Fiona Pembroke! Who was behind it all along! The hatch on the boat led down to her monster submarine. And she did it just to get Sir Ian's attention, trying to get him to believe in the monster. She hired the Haggard brothers, which Velma thinks might have been because they wanted to win the games by sabotage. But actually, they just love practical jokes. (laughs) I did love that moment a lot. It's like, what a good motivation, actually. One of my favorite things is when they show Professor Pembroke inside the Loch Ness Monster, it's literally just the Magikarp submarine. It's bike-powered. Yeah. There's like four cranks that she has to pedal at the same time. With a very serious expression on her face. Mm, Now that I'm thinking about that scene, I also think that Professor Pembroke looks like an adult version of Hot Dog Water from Mystery Incorporated. You know you're right. That might just be for me. I, I see it. The Highland Games happen without much incident. Um, Scooby plays the bagpipes, or at least pretends to. One of those. Um, And the mystery machine is fully repaired. But then Sir Ian shows up and demands everyone come back to the ship. Because apparently the camera from the mini-sub is still active and seems to have picked up more Nessie photos. Which I mean, I guess it had a battery? I'd also like I to guess. I'd also like to point out in the Highland Games sequence when the uh, band with Shaggy and Scooby are coming out, there are horrifying middle distance uh, spectators. <laughs> Those animation models are not right. No. Uh, I also have it written down that uh, Shannon and Daphne are cosplaying the girl trainer from Sword and Shield. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so the camera turns out to be too deep for it to be a homemade sub, which that, combined with Pembroke's other photos, makes Sir Ian finally believe that the monster could be real, so he takes Dell and Pembroke to go hunt for her. And it's it's amazing, these photos, they, they look like the exact same animation cell. Astounding. Like, uh, I mean, compared to the ones from the uh, mini-sub... Yes. Uh, so the gang packs up to head home as Scooby catches a glimpse of the real Nessie. Cut to the credits, which, as I have mentioned, is that sitcom song from earlier set to a sitcom intro, like for real, though, because it has each character looking at the camera as their name and voice actor shows up. <laughs> so I, that's the film. I did want to point out something kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Aside from property damage and academic fraud, there's no real crime committed here. Yeah, she doesn't get arrested or anything. Because what Neither... did she do except pretend to be a Loch Ness monster? And again, destroy property part of Lake Castle, but eh, it was falling apart anyway. Shannon has already said it's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> so it's like, the only reason she would go to jail is if Shannon actually pressed charges, but Shannon didn't. So it's just like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I think this so is nothing one of the... actually, you know, happens. Yeah, I think it's one of the few Scooby movies where there's not actually a criminal behind everything. 
Mm-mm. It's just a Nessie proselytizer. Mm-hmm. It arguably Hill could have been capitalism though if she wanted her old job back, but I'm not going to say it was. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't think she even cared about that anymore. I think she just wanted to make this stodgy old coot believe in a cryptid. Yeah. yeah. Bragging rights. Um, so yeah, how do we feel about this movie overall? I did not like it. It's fine. In the words of Shannon Blake. Yeah, Shannon Blake sure was used in this film not at all, huh? No. Who? You have an entire new Blake character, and you don't even use the one you have. Neither of them really do anything until they're separated. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good point. This sets it up like it's going to be a Daphne movie, but it's not. Nope. Yeah, like like I mentioned earlier, they're like, oh, we Blakes have a history of getting into danger, and they don't. Nope. They're not even really threatened by those goons that are like, oh, we're going to sell it. They, they, it's not really danger. They're like put into a hold, but none of them have like a real gun or something. No, it's sad. And you know, if they did, it would be like the time a real gun showed up on Lightspeed Rescue. It would be a real gun in Scooby Doo. <laughs> Look, they had real guns in Alien Invaders. They actually literally did. Um. Hmm. So, do we have? Uh, could you like copy paste the list right here into the Discord chat, please? Just so I can um, get a look sure, at it. But I'm also going to go through it um, binary list style. Oh, okay. Um, I'm also like speaking back about the movie. I'm not like super into the whole Fred's an idiot thing. It's just not for me. I don't think. There was also a moment where um, Shaggy is depicted as kind of an idiot. Cause I mean, is he usually? But it it was like weirdly odd. Where Shaggy apparently doesn't know how a telescope works. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. And it's like, "Mm, not sure how I feel about that. I just, I think that, like, with the, like, weird tone of this film being like, ah, we're goofy and jokey and a lot of classic humor, but also massive destruction in 3D model of a Loch Ness monster. Yeah. And also a weird mystery where it's two people, but actually it's one person, but actually, eh. Eh. Yeah, uh, I loved this as a kid, but it's not great. So let's just go ahead and jump in and compare it to Scooby-Doo, Music of the Vampire. How do we feel, better or worse? Music of the Vampire being the musical film in which there's a vampire who takes Daphne to be his bride and songs i think vamp uh, music of the vampire is better yeah i'd say so too because at least it has fun musical numbers Mm, okay in that case how about in comparison to scooby-doo and arabian nights oh it's better than that better than arabian nights yes absolutely all right um how about Zombie Island. Mm, see, they both have the similar. Well, I mean, at least this one has a mystery. True. Mm, that's true. 
but no real antagonist. No antagonist. No. It's not a very good mystery. It's... I will say, in my opinion, this is a perfectly serviceable Scooby-Doo movie. Mm-hmm. It's not great, but at least it's not Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf. <laughs> oh yeah, nothing could ever be that bad ever again. <laughs> unless there's something hidden in these 20 movies we still haven't watched. <laughs> oh, the Monster of Mexico's rough. Um, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> but I think that... I think between Zombie Island and Alien Invaders, well, mm, Alien Invaders. Mm-hmm. You would think this would be easier for me because I literally just watched Alien Invaders, but it's not. Alien Invaders also has like some weird choices. So here's something interesting to think about: Alien Invaders, aliens are real. Zombie Island, zombies are real. In Loch Ness Monster, it's never confirmed for sure if Nessie is real. It is confirmed. Uh, is it confirmed confirmed? Yeah, I, I mean, at the end, Scooby literally sees Nessie. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, also, I just want to I just want to check something about Alien Invaders. Because I think... It is one of the MOOC animated films that, rem- that I remember. I just wanted to see how close to... This movie, that movie came out. And it is... Oh, Alien Invaders is number three. Yeah. So yeah, this is pretty decently far after that. Because mm-hmm, then it was Cyber Chase and then it was some stuff. I have a list, but I don't have it open. Hmm. You were saying, Cass? Um... About... I guess... Mm, I don't remember. Neither do I. Monsters being real? Oh yeah, most of the ones on the lower, like, if you compare the ones in which the monsters are real to the ones in which the monsters are in fact people in masks, well, I guess we don't actually have that many in here where it's just people in masks, now that I look at it. Yeah, Witch's Ghost. That's a real ghost. Witch's Ghost is the monsters real. Ghoul School. uh, Ghoul School monsters are real. Detective Pikachu, the monsters are real. (laughs) That's true. Um, Cyber Chase. It's not really monsters, but I'll go ahead and call them real. I mean, he he was a sentient computer virus, which is yeah. the most VR troopers thing I can think of. Yeah. Let me look at the ones in which the monsters aren't. It's Music of the Vampire, Mask of the Blue Falcon, Mystery Begins, and Boo Brother. Mystery Begins, the ghosts are real. Ghosts are real. And the Surreal. Boo Brothers are also ghosts. Yeah, but like the villains. Oh, but now also- see that? Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily what we're going with. Just is the monster real? Genies are okay. real in Arabian in that Nights. Case. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I don't remember no, that movie very no, well. No, they're not because that was a story that Shaggy was telling. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but magic carpets are real. Yes. In fact, I think the only thing on this list where I don't even think Scooby Coast Hollywood has monsters. I think Scooby that's just Hollywood. No monsters. Music of the Vampire. Monsters aren't real. Um, Mask of the Blue Falcon monsters aren't real, but Hollywood is. I think everything else on this list that we've watched so far, monsters are real. Ex- that's like a weird thing to consider when, when that's such like, oh, we're selling this as, oh, the monsters aren't real. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Okay. Well, that's going to change soon because we're into a lot of stuff where... I say a lot of stuff, but I know, like, the Goblin King has real magic. Did you guys watch that one yet? Because I could have sworn you did. I could have sworn you did. I was... I watched it and then I was furiously looking for the episode. I'm like, did it just not pick up on my podcatcher? But no, I think I hallucinated an entire episode of Kids and Their Dog. <laughs> I will say I have mentioned it on the show before because I believe that is one of the DVDs and the four DVD set you could win, depending on if people ever leave more reviews for us on iTunes or anywhere else and just tell us about it. I know it's got a Tim Curry in it. I think there's two Tim Curries, as a matter of fact. Oh, two Tim Curry's. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, now I'm excited. <laughs> oh god. Alright, let's put this in between Alien Invaders and Zombie Island. I'm gonna Agreed. Alright, that leaves the list as follows. Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf. Scooby-Doo meets the Boo Brothers. Scooby goes Hollywood. Scooby-Doo and Arabian Nights. Alien Invaders. Loch Ness Monster. Zombie Island. Music of the Vampire. Scooby-Doo 2002. Scooby-Doo Mask of the Blue Falcon. Ghoul School, Scooby-Doo the Mystery Begins, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, The Witch's Ghost, and Cyber Chase. One, I'm still shocked that Cyber Chase is the best one we that you guys have watched so far. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I still think we need to go back and change it, and I keep saying that every time I finish saying the list, and but we never do. Yeah. And two, I can't believe when we were going over it, I couldn't, I didn't take the opportunity to say, Detective Pikachu, the pocket monsters are real. Ah. <laughs> uh, Dang it. Detective Pikachu 2, Pocket Monsters Unleashed. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to see which 90s movie star they make the villain in that one. Uh, It's Tim Curry again, actually. (laughs) Uh, So, Brendan, plug your stuff. See, so the funny thing is, I actually don't do that much on the internet right now. Uh, I do have a Twitter uh, at Sonata Waves, but um, that's mostly used for bothering the extended members of the Jim Jam Jake and Josh podcast family. <laughs> uh, and by bothering, I mean I just ask questions and casually interact with them a lot. Um, I did do an episode of uh, the Home for Wayward OCs with Christina Woods. Uh, mm-hmm. And I remember you guys did a pop-up ad for that, which I loved hearing at the end of the episode. Because yeah, I, that was fun. Yeah, I plugged you all on that one. Yeah, Christina reached out to us about making one, and I was like, well, we've been meaning to. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Twitter's really the only thing I use. Tumblr's dead. Uh, I have ideas for podcasts my best friend and I have been going over, but none that have materialized. Uh, one that we have big ambitions for, but God help us if we ever get around to it, would be an episode-by-episode episode recap of The Winx Club. Oh, hell yeah. I would be into that, because I've been like meaning to watch Winx, because I think it's an interesting idea. Oh, well, did you know? Did you know that there are multiple English dubs and none of them cover the whole show? Oh. I did not, and that sounds fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, do you want four kids? Do you want the European English? Or do you want Nickelodeon? Because those are your options for the first few seasons. Oh my god. Oh, see, I was hoping there would be an Ocean dub, because the only thing I know about Ocean's dubbing is that they got Rolf to do the voice. Rolf from Ed and Eddie to do the voice of Goku in the Ocean dub of Dragon Ball Z. 
That's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Specifically one of the movies. I don't know if they did it for the regular show. Um, Jeez. But yeah, I do. The Winx Club is... It's very 2004. And for some reason, it stays very 2004. (laughs) It never quite moves on. I don't know why, but... Winx is giving me like extreme martin mystery vibes you know i don't i can see it it's not it, is, wait hold on is it a french canadian animated show it's italian oh well, oh similar and the they recently changed the art style because surprise it's still going season eight's coming out this year oh okay what huh. It was supposed to end after season three, and they did a movie, and that movie is supposed to be the finale. But then, hey, these dolls are making us money. Let's keep doing it. Uh Uh-huh. I need to show you this art style change, because it's wild. Wow. Well, then. All right. um, Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Uh, not that is relevant to recording the episode, no. And here is oh, right. here's oh, cool. a screenshot airplane. from season eight. Sorry. Oh no, Lava got attacked by an airplane. Oh. Freaking airbase. This is what we get for talking about airplanes for so long last month. Yeah. Curses, Star Scream. <laughs> All right, you can find me on Twitter at Madlobotanist. That's M A D L O B O T A N I S T. I'm going to say it at a regular speed this time. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at LavaBees, L-A-V-A-B-E-E-S. And you can find me on Twitter at Sonata Waves, S-O-N-A-T-A-W-A-V-E-S. Look for the gem icon. You'll be in the right place. Gem referring to gem and the holograms, not one of the thousands of other gems it could be <laughs> oh yep yep the truly outrageous one that's her um oh because i mentioned it like very explicitly earlier during the show i'm also gonna go ahead and plug pre-pod engage which is a podcast i do about pretty cure with charlie former guest of the show and i don't know anything about the show going into it every time i know more about later seasons I watched a very large bit of Go Princess. It's very good. Ah, I'll be glad to get to there in like four years. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, but about this show, Kids and Their Dog, you can find us on Twitter at Kids and Their Dog. You can find our website, which is mostly just an archive over at kidsandtheirdog.wordpress.com. Or you can go to patreon.com slash kidsandtheirdog if you would like to give us your money. Give me your money. <laughs> um, uh, let me pull up the Patreon so I can read all the stuff. Um, but I do know that at $1 a month, we will shout you out on the show. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do that again now. Because there's only a handful of you. And I think I can get away with doing it every month. Alright, uh, thank you Tess, Crashing Waves, James, and Charlie. Thank you. You are all wonderful people. Um, but if you'd like to know more about the Patreon at $1 a month, as I said, you will get, you get the regular episodes, but early and we give you a shout out on the show. Sometimes early is actually later than it normally should be, but still a day earlier than everyone else. (laughs) 
sometimes it'll be a lot earlier than that, depending on how much the audio wants to give me issues. <laughs> um, at $5 a month or more, you get bonus episodes, such as our bonus episode on Pokemon Detective Pikachu. But more about bonus episodes later. At $35 or more per month, you can get the podcast on a CD, and I'll get in touch with you about which episodes. <laughs> I just like the idea of podcasts on CD. And maybe you do too. Um, each of these also includes all the stuff from lower tiers. Um, but goals-wise, at $50 a month, we'll start doing bonus episodes about the actual cartoon series. Starting with like 13 Ghosts. And I mention it all the time. Probably Mystery Incorporated pretty soon after that. Stuff like that. And at $100 a month, we would start a start kids and their dice a monthly actual play podcast <laughs> run by me is it scooby doing the curse of straw uh it could be it's it's undecided but i do have a few ideas jakey's gang daphne's a vampire now um <laughs> uh, but yeah that's all of that stuff um uh, we will be back next month which i don't actually know what movie we're doing next month i need to go talk to them about that but we'll be doing some special stuff for the month of July. Um, so I'll just post about it on the Twitter once we've nailed down what it is. I lied. We will be watching Moon Monster Madness next month. But look forward to it. I'm excited for the month of July for this show and others. I'm very excited for August. Uh, I, shout out to Tess at Tess Does Things at Pocky Slice on Twitter. Uh, because Scooby-Doo at wrestlemania is a trip and a half i love it so much uh yeah that's like one of the first uh scooby-doo movies i started i watched with you cass it's one of the first thing i it's not the first thing we watched together but it's one of it's them. it's one of them it's up there it's like you know the classics you have um what was it uh kiki's delivery service gravity falls scooby-doo mystery wrestlemania mystery you know the classics yeah spider-man 3 oh yeah spider-man the whole the whole trilogy of spider-man which we marathoned i think did we i, I know we did spider-man 3 like two years in a row for valentine's day god i do not remember it you know what it's i think it's because we watched spider-man 3 at like three in the morning it made it feel like a marathon yes. it was ridiculous <laughs> Anyways, speaking of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films, something really cool that would have happened in the first movie if uh, certain national tragedies didn't happen. There was going to be a scene where Spidey made a massive web between the Twin Towers to catch the Green Goblin. And that would have looked really cool. Oh, that could have been cool. That would have been cool. (sighs) But anyways, we're done rambling. (laughs) Let's get out of here. Um, So until next month. They would have gotten away with it, too. If it weren't for us meddling kids. And their stupid dog, too. (laughs) When you take a look behind you, what do you see? You've been hanging on to something, it's really just enough, it seems to me. So tell me, have you found? Round and around, and coming your way to the top, yeah.